Turn with me this evening to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel in chapter 20. And last week, in looking at verses 1 through 4, the first thing we noted was the timeline that was given to us. It was in the seventh year of the captivity of those in captive at the time of Ezekiel. And it was approximately two years from the first time the Lord came to him and called him to be a watchman unto the people. And approximately 11 months after his last message, that was given to him. Next in verses 2 through 4, we had the word of the Lord that came to Ezekiel. And again, we emphasize the fact that it was the word of the Lord. These are not some words that Ezekiel conjured up, but he makes it plain each time the word of the Lord came to him that it was the Lord. And it was his word that came to him and spake to him. And the Lord said, As I live, upon his name Jehovah, his existence as the eternal God, the living God, the almighty God, the creator God, he said he would not inquire, be inquired of by those elders that had come to Ezekiel. And he gives to Ezekiel a double question. Wilt thou judge them? Wilt thou judge them? In other words, making it plain and making it strong, making it emphatic that Ezekiel is to deliver the judgment, judgment against the people. In our introductory remarks, we had mentioned the fact that He does some recounting with them, some rehearsal with them of their history and their history of rebellion, their history of doing abominable works before the Lord. And tonight we want to begin to look at the first accounting that he gives we find that in verses 5 through 9 and it is an accounting of the exodus 
the exodus out of Egypt. Let's begin reading with verse 5. Ezekiel was to say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day when I chose Israel and lifted up mine hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up mine hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God. In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Then said I unto them, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Ye rebelled against me, and would not hearken unto me. They did not, every man, cast away the abominations of Christ, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the land in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my namesake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were in whom sight I made myself known unto them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. So in these verses, we accounting of God's recounting with them, the fact that he had chosen them, he visited them in the land of Egypt to bring them out of the land of Egypt. It's a review of God's choosing Israel, of his promise to the house of Jacob, and then his visiting them. He says he visited them, and... In visiting them, he made himself known to them, saying, I am the Lord thy God. God's promise. He promised that he would save them, save them from Egyptian bondage, 
would give them a land that he had espied, a land that he had searched out specially for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, which he says is the honor of all lands, of all nations, of all the earth. A land that, a country that is blessed of the Lord and has, has a bountiful supply for his people is a land greatly blessed of the Lord. Look with me to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy in chapter 11. And looking at verse 9 with me. He says in this chapter, in this verse, that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. A land which the Lord thy God swore unto thy fathers. He swore it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That's the fathers he's referencing there. You can turn with me back to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis and chapter 15. book of Genesis in chapter 15, in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, he told Abraham to come out of the earth of the Chaldees and unto a land that he would uh, give unto him and to his seed. In this 15th chapter, the Lord gets a little more specific with Abraham as to the land that he's giving unto him and to his seed. To, it is going to be his inheritance. It is going to be the inheritance of his seed. In verse 18 of the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, God says to him, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenites and the Kenites and the uh, Codmonites and the Hittites and the uh, Perizzites and the Rephims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Gentiles. And that last one was the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which in David's day, he drove them out and took over the city of Jerusalem. 
for the Lord. From the river, the great river in Egypt, and most theologians suppose that to be the Nile River, being the greatest river in Egypt, unto the river Euphrates. Now that's a big, big chunk of land that the Lord God had done to them. And he said, as a land flowing with milk and honey, as a land flowing with bounty. Turn with me back to the book of, of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy and chapter chapter 8. And look with me at verse 7 in this 8th chapter. Verses 7 through 9. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, and vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. It was a land of plenty. They were going to be plentiful in the land. A land of great bounty the Lord had promised unto them. But he gives, gave to them Two conditions. Two conditions. Back in our text in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 20, he said in verse 7, Then said I unto them, after giving them the promise, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. He required of them that they cast off the idols of Egypt, the abominations of your eyes. That was that was that was their sin. That was their evil. Their their eyes saw those idols and and they lusted after them and they wanted and they worshipped other gods.
How could they? They went down into Egypt. The promise was given to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to his seed, their seed. They're all the seed of Abraham, the posterity of Abraham. And the house of Jacob, mentioned here in our text, went down into Egypt, 70 souls, counting Joseph, his wife, and his two sons, being four. Seventy souls went down into Egypt. They, they found favor in, in the eyes of Pharaoh because of, because of Joseph. They were blessed because of Joseph. They were given, they were given the, the best land to dwell in and to dwell safely in. And I think approximately a period of probably about 30 years passed from their going down there and the passing of Jacob. In that time span, Pharaoh passed. Joseph passed. And a king came on the scene that Scripture says knew not Joseph. And they had multiplied greatly in the land. They had gotten comfortable in the land. What happens when a people gets comfortable in the land? What happens when you and I get comfortable in this world? We take our ease. We get lazadaisical. We allow sin. Turn from God to worshiping idols. As they did. The Lord said here in this verse 7, He said, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. One Lord, one God. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And I know, I know this is after the exit out of Egypt. But the mind of God, and, and then he made manifest to Abram when he told him to come up out of the earth of the Chaldees. Leave your, leave your idolatrous land. Leave your idols behind. 
Leave your, leave your father, your mother, your, your kindred. Leave them behind unto a land that I'll show you. That I'll give unto you. To be your inheritance. Leave your idols behind. Same, same with Isaac. I was reaffirmed in Isaac, and Isaac was to do the same. He's reaffirmed with Jacob. And Jacob was to, to do the same. And you remember, you remember what happened in Jacob's life? And he marries Leah and Rachel. And his family begins to multiply. And he multiplies for himself herds. And they steal away in the night to get away from labor. And what did Rachel do? <laughs> she took her father, God, her father's idols with her and hid them. And Laban catches up to them and, 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 and gives them one for for stealing his gods. And, and Rachel fabricates a lie. Labor satisfied they don't have them, but they did have them. And it seems as though those idols somehow mysteriously multiplied over time. Because as time was going on, <laughs> go up to Bethel to Jacob. And Jacob said, We're going up to Bethel. And remember that they stood outside of Shechem. And, and they buried the idols. The scripture says they hid the idols under the oak trees. Shechem. Before going into Bethel. Bethel is the house of the Lord. Before they went in to worship the Lord, they got rid of the idols. Who were there? Verse 1 of chapter 20 of Exodus. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them or serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. God's a jealous God. He'll not share his honor. He'll not share his glory with another. And so, 
the conditions of God's blessings were that they get rid of these idols, these idols of Egypt, these idols that they had gathered unto themselves in Egypt. And he would bring them out of Egypt and he would take them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, what's the next thing that God recounts with them in our text in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8? But they rebelled against me and would not hearken unto me. They didn't every man cast away the abominations of their eyes. Neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. <laughs> they rebelled. Well, I know the Lord said, said He'd take us out and, and, and take us into a land flowing with milk and honey if we would get rid of these idols, if we would forsake what our eyes lusted after. But they did not hearken. They did not obey the word of the Lord. In the Exodus, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, how many times did they want to go back into Egypt? <laughs> go back to where things were much better. <laughs> they had a better when they worshipped those idols. They was their thoughts. Seventy souls went down into Egypt. Preserved the Lord through a famine in, in Canaan. Preserved of the Lord in the land of Egypt. In the best part of the land of Egypt. In Goshen. <laughs> Were they preserved? And while Joseph was alive and Joseph was second in command in, in Egypt, they had a cushion. And they grew accustomed to that. And then they're growing accustomed to that way of life. They also indulged in the abominations of their eyes and those idols that they come to themselves. In the book of Genesis, in the 15th chapter, we there earlier up a few verses from where we were reading, the Lord revealed to Abram that, that his seed would go into Egypt and that in Egypt they would be afflicted 
400 years. Now it's a known fact that they were 430 years in Egypt from the time they went in till the time they came out. They were in about 430 years. Gods have 400 years. That's where I got the 30 years. That, uh, 30 years had passed. And then in that 30-year span, Pharaoh passed. Probably the passing of Joseph. New Pharaoh comes on the scene. And God be begins to afflict them. Afflict them through the Egyptians. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 8. In verse 8 of chapter 1 of Exodus, if I said Ezekiel before I meant Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, in verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Thus they multiply. And it come to pass that when they're out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters. You like that word? <laughs> taskmasters. Doesn't sound good right off, does it? To afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. And the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Told you those taskmasters didn't, it didn't sound like a good bird. Made them to serve with rigor. And they made, made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made themselves was with rigor. And the next verses tell, tell about <laughs> this is a, this is working. They're still multiplying. We we gotta we gotta kill the first the, 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 the all the male children that are born of the womb. 
We got to stop this multiplication. Now, so their lives were greatly afflicted. They were greatly torment, tormented. As we said, they had they had gotten comfortable in Egypt while Joseph was alive, while that Pharaoh was alive. But they didn't live forever. There came a time when they passed off the scene. And the next Pharaoh wasn't so favorable to them. Looked so kindly upon their multiplication and, and the fact that they had grown strong. He even said, they're grown mightier than we. As I was thinking on this and contemplating it, this thought occurred to me that maybe the afflictions and the trials and tribulations of this life are to make it so that we we don't get so comfortable in this in this land this land that is not ours this land that, that we're just pilgrims and strangers in maybe those trials and and tribulations are are brought and allowed upon us to to make us ready to leave <laughs> To, to bring us to the point that we say, so come, Lord Jesus. Certainly it would seem as though the children of Israel should have been anxious to leave, glad to leave, glad to be out from under that rigor under, under, out from under that great affliction that they were afflicted with. As we get comfortable with this world, we get comfortable with sin. I think quite possibly much affliction brought upon us so that we don't get too comfortable with this world, with this life that we're living in this world. Turn with me to the first Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 6.
we read in this chapter and in this verse, now these things, the things concerning Israel, were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. <laughs> you see, these things that, that we're reading and studying about, these things are written for our examples that we lust not after evil things as they lusted after. Rebelled against God and lusting after. Neither be ye idolatrous as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat to eat and drink and rose up to play. <laughs> that sounds life of ease, comfort. They were enjoying the good life. The life that Egypt afforded them. The life this world afforded them. What about you and I? Are we, are we enjoying the life here on earth? The life that, that this life affords us? Are we growing weary in this land of our pilgrimage? Turn with me to the book of Job. The book of Job in chapter 11. In verse 14. If iniquity be in thy hand, put it far away. And let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacle. How many of us allow wickedness to dwell in, in our homes, in our houses, in our families? He said, put it far from you. Get it away. In, in our text, cast away the abominations of your eyes. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Told us in Second Corinthians chapter six. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what what concord doth unrighteousness have with righteousness? There's none. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate. Lord. Here in this fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he, he says, don't be, don't be like the heathen. Verse 22, he says, that you put off concerning the former 
conversation, the former conduct, the former manner of life. The old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful loss. <laughs> we, we know the corruptness of, of the old man. We know the, the, the loss that is filled with, the deceitful loss that it's filled with. And they are deceitful. Oh, it'll be pleasurable. Oh, it'll be good. Oh, it'll be sweet. <laughs> But we find out that it's not as sweet as we thought it would be. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. You see, we're, we're just strangers and pilgrims here. This, this, this earth, this world is not our home. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Those desires and passions of the flesh, they war against the soul. The, they war against the spiritual man, the spiritual life. don't have to tell you a lot about that conflict. True child of God knows the war. Knows the conflict that's going on. Look what he said in Second Peter. Second Peter in chapter three. In verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up verse 11 seen then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be, ye that are saved, ye that are children of God, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, in all holy behavior and godliness, looking for and hasting Unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. <laughs> don't, get, don't get comfortable in this earth. It's not our home. 
We know that these things are going to pass away. They're going to be dissolved. They're going to be burnt up. We ought to be concerned with living holy and godly lives before God. That we might be pleasing in His sight. That we might bring honor and glory praise unto Him. He said back in our text, He said, <laughs> but He didn't destroy them in Egypt as He thought to do. Let, it, let me get back there. Ezekiel chapter 20. The last part of verse 8. Then I said, I will pour all my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of of the land of Egypt. He, he, he said, I'm going to destroy them in Egypt. But verse 9. But I wrought for my namesake. He said, for his namesake. For, for his honor and the glory of his name that it should not be polluted so that his name would not be polluted before the heathen, before the Egyptians and the nations round about among whom they were in whose sight I made myself known unto them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> he didn't destroy them. For his namesake. For his namesake. For, for his word. For his promise to Abraham. For his promise to Isaac. For his promise to Jacob. He didn't destroy him. So that his name might be held up. His word might be held up in honor. And in glory. And he brought him forth. A rebellious people. An idolatrous people. They went ahead and brought them forth. Out of the land of Egypt. So next week we'll.